Alright there ladies and gents, welcome to episode 49 of Stacey's A Pop Culture Parlour. I am, as ever, your intrepid host, going where lots of other podcasts have gone before and probably slightly better. And joining me in the virtual parlour, enjoying some virtual Battenbergs and stuff, probably, (laughs) is comics creator and colourist extraordinaire Chris Carter. Hello! Hello. I always do a wave and you don't know because we're not videoing this. That's okay, I wave too, so yeah. Oh good, oh good. I don't feel quite so special now. <laughs> oh, welcome to the parlour. Thank, thank you for having me on. That's all right. I uh, I got all over excited when you asked me because I was like, oh, Chris is quite famous. And I did a little <laughs> swim. <Don't> laugh at. <laughs> <laughs> hey, people would know you from things like Hopefully. Transformers Maybe. and Doctor Who and that. And I did uh, mix sort of relevant to your interests. I did do um, two issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back in the day. <gasps> My heart might have just stopped. Right. It was the um, it was one of the newer ones. It was um, oh, it was Turtles uh, Fast Forward, which is one of their no, it was a, Titan did a comic for them. Oh, it's going back probably three, four, five years now, maybe more than that. I'm not really oh sure. God. I've never heard of this, and I am now writing it immediately down for future episodes <laughs> of Podcast in a Half Shell. Yeah, check that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was called yeah, it was a Turtles Fast Forward, and it had kind of really kind of uh, sort of like um, Cartoon Network style Johnny Bravo esque character designs. Oh, nice. And um, I coloured the final two stories that were printed in the Titan comics way back when so um that that story was called rewind and it had the turtles from the fast forward stories sort of traveling back in time to meet themselves in the 80s so it was quite cool <laughs> brilliant that was my that was my turtles my my, my, my my turtles opus so to speak that's amazing i'm now officially jealous of you i hope that's <laughs> not going to be a problem no it's fine <laughs> so i've um... been that yeah <laughs> For those that uh, that might not know of you, do you want to give people a little bit of the skinny on Chris Carter? Okay, well, I'm not very skinny. That's the first <laughs> thing. Um, let's see. I'm a, I'm a huge, 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 huge Transformers fan. So um, that was the main... My, my main goal in life was to sort of work officially on Transformers comics. And as luck would have it, uh, I managed to do that. So um, when uh, IDW Publishing um, got a hold of the license, um, I badgered them for about, I don't know, three or four years and managed to get some fill-in work doing colours for uh, one of the Transformers miniseries they were doing. And then that fill-in work led to um, half an issue of another comic, and that half an issue then led to doing full issues of the Transformers comics. So I did quite a few of those um, over the years. So I did a couple of Transformers spotlights and um, fill-in work here and there and a couple of covers and a few odds and sods like that. And then through contacts with the editors there, um, I managed to kind of snag work on uh, Doctor Who. So that was another big kind of checklist, check-off kind of a bucket list thing for me to get to work on, on Doctor Who. And from there, uh, that led me to doing um, a Doctor Who comic called The Forgotten, which I, I don't think it was released in the UK completely, but I think you, you can get it over here, but only in trade. And it was a little bit of a weird kind of release thing because of the licensing. Mm-hmm. But The Forgotten had at the time had all 10 Doctors meet up for the first time in comic form. And that was great because I got I got to colour the big scene where all ten doctors meet. Nice. So for me, that was a big kind of ah moment. So that was quite good fun. I have a feeling um, I might have read that, but I, was it? Did Tony Lee write that, or have I made that up? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I have read that then. Yeah. Oh, so good. The, the man with the great waistcoat. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So that that was great. That was, and I, I got to meet. Um, I, I got to I got to experience firsthand 
the BBC Fashion Police, which are great because they were very, very picky about the colours for the Doctor's costumes. Oh, really? And um, they were very, very keen to make sure that um, Tennant's Doctor had the pinstripe suit, the, the, the actual pinstripes, and the artists, I think, hadn't drawn them in some panels. So I had to go back in and then redraw all the pinstripes in the suit. <laughs> I was like, I didn't sign up for this. Ah! But it was, at the same time, it was annoying, but it was Doctor Who, so I was like, ah, oh, great, I can't. Can't not do Doctor Who, so that was, that was good fun. So, yeah. so um, did the Transformers, did Doctor Who, um, and then scooting off the back of that, did a load of other sort of um, some smaller franchise stuff, some little tiny bit of stuff for DreamWorks, did the trans, uh, did the, um, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff, so that was good fun. And also managed to do um, a four-issue mini uh, called Winona Earp, which is another uh, IDW property, which is about to be made into a TV show, for, mm. which is just bizarre. And um, that was my kind of scariest moment in Calvin because they'd they had the entire artwork done and I think it had swapped hands between a couple of editors and somebody along the way had just forgotten to get the book colored so they came to me and said can you color just under uh, 90 pages in about under four weeks and I'm kind of you know when 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 you're doing the freelance stuff you're kind of loathe to say no to anything so I was like yeah yeah that'll be fine it'll be no problem and then I actually sat down and worked out the maths on it and I was like well wait a second I can probably do maybe three pages a day depending on time and detail of the pages and then ninety pages over the course of a month and three hours per page and I was doing the maths on it and it worked out to be there was like no time to actually sleep it would be just it would be just working nonstop coloring for a month and snagging the occasional hour for Kip. So I decided to just do that anyway. And as luck would have it, a lot of the uh, comic was set in the, the Antarctic, so it was just snow. <laughs> so it was like, great, I can just colour lots of things white. That was good. And um, I did, I worked full pelt. I managed to get, I think, yeah, either 88 or 89 pages done inside of a month. And that was a huge, sort of like a big accomplishment for me. And I will never ever do that again <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say having that uh that one night of no sleep when i did the 24-hour oh. parlor was enough to send me do like <laughs> for about a week afterwards so can't imagine what you were like yeah well the thing is i didn't realize how much your sleep cycle affects like things other than your head because i was like yeah. oh i'll just be a bit tired and a bit mongy for a couple of days and probably like no. stare into space oh no my bowels just exploded and like... no, it you up. you're just you're, you're absolutely just kind of just destroyed and yeah I, 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 I was ill for like two months afterward just really oh, kind of geez. messed up but it was good fun though it was a good book <laughs> <laughs> Had, had vampires in it, and yetis fighting, and oh, all manner of good stuff. So yeah, oh, it was cool. Good yeah. Oh, it was great fun. Yeah, so um, and then off the back of the colouring stuff, I kind of took a, a bit of a sideways step from that to do um, my, my master's in animation for a while. So I stepped away from the colouring. But of course, I've kept my hand in the comic stuff by doing all the, the small press stuff. Mm. And uh, that's been uh, more of the focus uh, in recent years. So doing the, um, the loose scan and comics and um, helping out doing colours for a couple of other uh, indies, working on stuff like um, Stiffs and The Pride and um, other kind of anthologies here and there and, and doing cons and basically just embracing the, the small press scene. So that's where people might have seen me. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure I've seen you twice at cons, but not actually gone <laughs> to speak to you in person because... People scare me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I think I think with cons, I, I've come to the conclusion after discussing this with, I can't remember who, on a previous episode, that it's the table that does mean. It's, oh, it's, it's that, that the, barrier. Yeah, it's the big gap between me and you, and you're sat down and I'm stood up and I just feel like a big old inconvenience. And I don't oh, like, no. 
stresses me out. Um, Everyone at cons needs to have those like standing tables. <laughs> yeah, you see, if you see me at another con, just say hello, and I'll I'll probably go hello, and I'll be all kind of shy as well because that's my thing. <laughs> but I, I do try and I do like to try and stand up um, usually behind the con tables because I think, like you say, it's a bit of a barrier otherwise. And yeah. the whole point of doing the small press and doing the cons, your main goal there is to sell your book. So if you are kind of like sitting down and hiding and kind of like hiding away at the back of the table, you're not up and you're not engaging the audience. So you do need to kind of be standing up and making eye contact and talking to people. And my God, that's so hard. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm so glad do. I don't have anything to sell at cons because I would be useless at it. <laughs> you get the hang of it after a while, but it's still, unless you kind of got that, that kind of salesy kind of spiel, mm. And you can kind of you've got that kind of confidence to do it. It's it's a real, it's it, it it is really hard to kind of get into that mindset. I mean, my I think my my role model for that kind of stuff is uh, Steve Penfold um, doing the the Moon comic. Mm. That guy, he is he's Barnum. He is just the, he can just you know he can sell anything. <laughs> the guy's an absolute sales monster. So I think he's the one to kind of he's my kind of my, my idol as far as how, as far as audience engagement goes. But yeah, I think it's it's, it's Cockney geezerness. <laughs> The thing is, I'm far too like proper British when it comes to things like that because people will say like, "Oh, you know, what's your podcast about? More should I listen to it?" And I'll be like, "Oh, it's about you know pop culture, like all the other podcasts, and you know, it's all right, I guess." Actually, yeah, you probably wouldn't like it. Don't bother. <laughs> no, big yourself up, big yourself. I'm crap at that. The that's forward. You know, you can do it. Oh, it's have, hard, have faith, woman. Have faith. <laughs> I'm. Just, I think it's also partly laziness. Like. <laughs> I know for I, I definitely fall into that particular trap. So yeah, <laughs> yes, I'm an extremely lazy person. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, speaking of selling yourselves, I believe you have a Kickstarter on the horizon. I certainly do. When when was this this podcast will go live? Around about March twenty something something. Something something. Usually twenty third, if I can. Ish. Yeah. So somewhere around that date. Like, say like the 23rd, 24th, somewhere around there, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, we should have the Kickstarter going live for the latest kind of comic from the, the Loose Scan and Druid Investigation stable. Uh, and this is going to be um, a, a time-travelling comedy called Bruce Outback. <laughs> and um, it's going to be rid- ridiculous, but good fun. Um, and Bruce Outback is Australia's top detective, and he gets sent back through time with the aid of his uh, super-intelligent, genetically modified koala to... <laughs> solve unsolved crimes throughout history <laughs> that sounds amazing it's it's as ridiculous as it sounds and it should be hopefully very good hopefully fingers crossed so um we've got the first issue virtually done it's um it's going to be 22 pages worth of story we've got the first 17 completed it's literally just putting the finishing touches to the uh, the last few and the kickstarter is there to just try and get the funds together to get it printed and hopefully we'll get the book into everybody's hands by around about uh, late may early june touch wood and um hopefully it should be really good fun people will get a kick out of it hopefully that's I'm the plan anyway, pretty much yeah. sold on anything that involves a koala so oh the koala's great um <laughs> the koala doesn't speak either he just speaks in like silent speech bubbles with the occasional question mark or exclamation mark and he's sort of it's that sort of inspector gadget vibe where bruce is quite smart he, he knows what he's doing but at the same time he is a bit of an imbecile and the koala is quite clearly the brains behind the outfit as well. Um, so yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be good fun. I can't wait. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> I'm yeah, so, uh, I'm uh, pretty much sold on anything also that involves Australian accents, even though it's a comic, so you probably can't tell. But 
Oh no, you should be able to tell the way the way it's written. It's um, it's it's fairly kind of broad, comedic, sort of very much parody Australian, but mm-hmm. good fun with it. So yeah, oh, <laughs> um, sort of imagine it's sort of Quantum Leap meets uh, Crocodile Dundee is another good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, so you can kind of see where we're going. With it. <laughs> I feel like I should watch Quantum Leap because a lot of people uh, tell me I should. It's a really good show. I do have. I, I've got the the, the great big box set of the whole series mm. but what i find myself doing because quantum leap's a bit of a weird one in that you know every episode you've got the two main cast guys you've got you know sam and al and everybody else changes depending on on the story and i was always fascinated not by any of the stories where they go into the past but i always wanted to know what was happening at the project in the future where they send sam through time mm-hmm. and there is so few episodes that show you like the present day stuff and it was always those episodes that absolutely fascinated me. So um, my kind of my kind of watch list for Quantum Leap is crazy small because out of the five series, there's probably only about five episodes that I sort of watch over and over because they're the ones that interest me the most. But it's it is a really good show. You should check it out at least once. I'm not great at time travel though, uh, as me and Rich discovered when we started watching DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Because uh, because <laughs> the thing that the, right. I'm going to sound really stupid now, but the thing that gets me about time travel TV shows is, for example, Rip Hunter Mm. is like a time master type guy, so he should be like king of time. He should know everything there is to know about time and time streams and changing times and all this palaver. And yet, every time he does something with the group of the heroes, he's always surprised by the outcome. Like, oh, fuck nuggets, I didn't expect this to happen. I'm like, well, surely you absolutely should have known. Like... (laughs) You know everything yeah. there is to know about time, including what has happened and probably what will happen. And what are you, what? And then I just get too confused. Well, that's the thing with time time travel stories are kind of weird in that I think they're really good vehicles to explore character-based stuff. But if you're trying to use time travel to do kind of situational stories, they just inherently don't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. So if you, I think that's that's probably the strength of like Back to the Future because Back to the Future. The time travel, of course, is a huge part of it, but it's not its not like the focus. Time travel is what gets Marty to see his parents as kids, but all the kind of, all the comedy and all the kind of the heartfeltness is watching their interactions, not kind of worrying about the actual time travel mechanics of it, because mm-hmm. the more and more you look into anything time travel-wise, the less and less any of it makes sense anyway. And that that's certainly going to be true with the Bruce Outback book, because even though that's got time travel, where they send Bruce back to solve unsolved crimes, you think that wouldn't make sense because if he solves the crimes in the past, they wouldn't be <laughs> unsolved in the future mm. for him to go back and solve in the first place. So we've kind of taken the approach that, yeah, the time travel gets him back into the past and then we just have fun with the fish out of water situations of it. So the actual time travel itself doesn't matter. It's just a good excuse <laughs> for a laugh. Fair enough. I think, I think some- that's the best way. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes I need to just not think about things so much because um, what do you... I'm sure it was called Predestination, this movie that me and Rich watched recently, because Rich is still on his watching at least one movie that is new to him a day like so far this year. He's doing pretty well. It's a good well. quest. Uh, it's, it's a crazy quest, and it made us stumble across this Predestination, which is like an Ethan Hawke movie that I'm about to spoil the bejesus out of. <laughs> but it bamboozled me because, right, it starts with this guy who... There's like a bomb and his face melts off and he's trying to reach for this violin case and then Ethan Hawke appears and gives him the violin case and it turns out the violin case is a 
some sort of time machine and he like jiggles a few dials and poof he's gone and then Ethan Hawke goes to get his own violin case time machine and poof he's gone as well and then next scene we're watching this girl grow up go to like school and and stuff and then she gets entered into this space program and she's like tippity top of every sort of like class but she gets booted out of the program for medical reasons so so she meets this dude and gets knocked up and then has a baby and then finds out when she had the baby that she actually was both a man and a woman and that in having that baby and having to have an emergency c-section the doctors had to take out all her lady bits and so they've sort of turned her, in, turned her into a dude basically yeah. uh, and then her baby gets stolen and then she becomes a dude and he turns up in Ethan Hawke's bar question mark <laughs> and He's like telling his sad life story to Ethan Hawke, who's then like, I tell you what, do you want me to take you back in time? Because I can, because why not? Do you want me to take yeah. you back in time to the to the, the, the bloke who nicks your baby so you can like off him and he can do one? And you realise <laughs> <laughs> So she so he takes yeah, Ethan Hawke takes him back and she's waiting around to try and meet this person and then she realises that the dude that she meets that knocks her up is her from the future as a man. Oh, bizarre. It gets worse. It gets even worse. It turns out that the baby that gets stolen is stolen also by her as a man because because she needs to make sure that that baby gets left outside the orphanage in 1945 because guess what? That baby's her as well. Oh, my brain. It gets even worse. <laughs> it gets even worse. So after that, you find out that the guy whose face was melted off by a bomb is also yeah. this dude, right? Who, right. who gets transferred into a hospital and his face gets reconstructed, guess what, into Ethan Hawke, so they're all the same guy-girl person. And what? I don't know what's happening. And there's something about a bomber, terrorist guy that they're trying to stop, and it turns out that that's also Ethan Hawke. And also, it's perfectly feasible to me. I'm just, I was just sitting there like, Rich, what in the blue fuck am I looking at? And he was like, <laughs> no, no, it's really clear. And I was like, no, it's a, like, it's a, it's a, paradoxical loop of nonsense and I couldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> my brain is melting from my ears yeah I just I couldn't get behind it at all I was like this doesn't what <laughs> and <laughs> apparently the bombs that he was dropping that yeah. made people think he was a terrorist was actually him setting bombs off to avert even bigger crises so actually <laughs> in killing like 10,000 people he was saving a million or something yeah. He shoots himself at one point as well, and I'm just like, I don't. None of this makes any sense. Give it a check out. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's I would fun. recommend it if you want to spend an evening just getting utterly confused. <laughs> That'll be cool. Like I, I can start writing flowcharts and everything and try and make sense of it. If hey, if if anyone out there can make any fucking sense of it, then <laughs> you know. But because if the baby is the same guy, but if the guy didn't go back in time until he was grown up to, <sighs> <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah, try not to think too hard about it. It'll it'll just cause migraines. Yeah, I should probably stop. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, hey, so talk some pop culture. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah. What have you been watching, reading, doing? Right, well, um, I'm a. Uh, I'm a self-confessed rubbish geek, so um, I'm not really I'm, I'm not really good with the whole with the whole comic side of things. So all the comics I've been kind of picking up lately uh, has been mainly small press stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been uh, really enjoying uh, Random Trials, which is by uh, Dean Beatty. Then this is just this kind of 
he's, he's on issue three at the moment now. And it's just this bizarre tale of like the government have kind of poisoned the water supply and this has accidentally given certain people sort of superhero powers. Mm. But it's it's all been it's all it's all done in a very kind of a really kind of grotty, kind of dingy kind of way. And it's it's very kind of dark humor because people like this one the main the main character, whenever he gets angry, he sort of just like jets flame from his mouth and his eyes and he becomes like crazy insane or overpowered and he can't control it but he actually doesn't want this power at all so he's trying to find out who's done this to try and get himself cured and then there's other people in there with weird powers like there's a guy who's if he's under threat his white blood cells instead of like fighting disease they'll enlarge and pop out of his body and fight whatever's threatening him <laughs> and there's, yeah it's there's just loads of this kind of weird stuff and this it's got a it's got a really kind of british sitcom kind of humor to it so um I've been really enjoying that because it's just insane and it's really dark humour, but really funny. And Dean's art, art, his art style is just so cool and really kind of crazy proportions and crazy colours, and it just it just looks fantastic. So um, I've been enjoying that. Another one I've been reading uh, lately as well is like well the, the guy who does uh, Lou Scannon with us, the, the actual creator of Lou Scannon, Dan Harris. Um, he's done uh, Druid Investigations. That's his little latest sort of solo project. Mm-hmm. So I've been enjoying that. So that's basically, how can I describe it? It's in the modern day, Merlin fighting monsters with a motor insurance salesman. <laughs> so that's a bit of a, that's another bit of a weird one. And then um, part of part of Merlin's sort of detective crew include a, a witch and a guy who is a descendant from a Loch Ness monster. <laughs> and it's a real kind of, a, a real kind of crazy monster-based detective story. So that's, that one's quite good fun as well. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. I've recently been um, rereading a little bit of Preacher as well, because AMC are doing the Preacher TV series, which is going to start in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, yeah. And I've not really read... I'm not, I'm not a huge comics fan, so I, I don't read, like, like superhero-based stuff, and I'm, I'm not really into that sort of thing. But Preacher is one of the few comics where I did collect the whole lot from start to finish, and it's, it's definitely one of my favourite kind of comic books. And so I, I've been rereading a little bit of it, mainly because I wanted to kind of get myself reacquainted with it ahead of it coming back, well, ahead of it coming to TV. But at the same time, I've got this kind of horrible sinking feeling that the adaptation for TV is going to be mm, not ideal, I guess, <laughs> is the, the best way to describe it. So mm. one of the characters in Preacher is the, the Irish vampire, Cassidy. Yeah. And of course, in the comics, he always wears these shades as part of his his character because he doesn't age but his eyes do and you know he just looks kind of grotty behind the shades but yet in the tv show they've cast uh jake gilgan from misfits which is actually a pretty good casting he does look he does look the part but he doesn't wear the shades and it's like oh that's such a, a key thing you know just have him wear sunglasses it's not it's not hard to do so i'm a little bit sort of torn on it in that i want it to be really good I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, but my gut feeling right now is that it's going to be a little bit off, mm. maybe. So, so we'll see on that front. Mm. So, I've, um, uh, I've only ever read the first trades worth of Preacher because I pinched it from somebody, probably years, oh, <laughs> yonks ago, and I really need to get into it. But I think the thing that's that's I'm intrigued to see where they go with it as a TV show. But the thing that's bothering yeah. me is how different a lot of the TV shows are from the comics. Like, um, I think. For me, Flash is the only one that that feels comic booky in the sense that, like, I love Eye Zombie, but it's nothing like what the original comic yeah. was. Um, and I I started trying to watch Lucifer recently, and that's somehow yeah, become a police procedural, and I I don't know why. 
um, so I'm a bit, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about Preacher, but I don't know whether it would be better for me not knowing the source material. <laughs> I think you probably are better off, I think, because I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm certainly going into it with a really sort of high expectation of how things should be. Mm. But I think if, if you go into it kind of fresh, I think that's probably probably better for, for you. Yeah. And it, it means you've still, you still got the books to kind of discover afterward. And the, the first couple of trades are great, but when it gets to around about sort of trade five, trade six, Oh, that's just kind of, it's just heart-rending. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out if you get a chance because it's, mm-hmm. I know it's quite an old book. It's quite an old book nowadays, but it, oh, it just it blew me away when I was first read it and it still continues to do so. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, oh, brilliant stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of excited for the TV show because it's got so much potential, but there's this feeling in my gut. Oh, so we'll see. So, yeah, um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, so I've been reading... See, a bit of small press stuff, rereading a bit of Preacher. I'm very, very far behind. I finally did watch the first episode of The Walking Dead, which I was quite impressed by. <laughs> but when? like I say, I'm, way, I'm, I'm slightly far behind on that front, so um, I'm sure I will catch up. <laughs> oh, God, you must have uh. had like, everything spoilt for you. Oh, I don't care. I'm, I'm an absolute spoiled scene. You can ask, ask, my, ask my friends. I mean, I remember quite clearly when, when Revenge of the Sith was in the cinemas and I'd gone into that just knowing just, you know, all of it straight away, you know, even though you know the big points like, oh yeah, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. And, oh yeah, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of obvious. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm an absolute spoiler junkie. I love this stuff. There's something wrong with me, I think. Oh, I wish I was because I'm constantly getting cross at the internet over stuff. Like <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's one of the reasons I stopped watching The Walking Dead because every week I was getting spoiled for it by following like, people yeah. from the tv show on instagram <laughs> like norman reader's put up a fucking picture of a dead person in it like oh can you believe this yeah. happened 10 minutes ago i was like fuck you it comes out in the uk a day afterwards can you not wait <laughs> 24 shitting hours um, how would you do this to me yeah, <laughs> yeah i do get unnaturally cross but then i think like i know i shouldn't because i know knowing the ending to something doesn't make it any worse because like I've watched Eternal Sunshine yeah. of the Spotless Mind like a billion times and it's still super amazing to me. But Absolutely. I think it's being robbed of the, that that initial impression yeah, of it. That, that, oh, that pisses me off. Yeah, pisses me off. And I feel like surely the writers don't want you to get this info like, oh, beforehand. Yeah. Like, you don't want to ruin the impact. So. <sighs> That's why it gets gets right on my tits when people live tweet stuff as well. Like, I had to unfollow... Um, <laughs> oh, fucking hell, what's his name? The guy who does who did the Hannibal TV show? Oh, uh, Brian Fuller. Yes, I had to unfollow yeah. him because he used to live-tweet Hannibal as it was on in America. Mm. And I'm like, are you... Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? <laughs> like, you're ruining it. Are you... What? <sighs> Made me a bit... Were you a bit cross? A bit irrational? Yeah. <laughs> I've, um, that's another thing. I've, I've recently... I, I, I did watch all of Hannibal apart from the last two episodes, so I still got to catch up with those... Like the, the finale kind of of, of the series, mm. so um, at some point I will go back and catch on that. But yeah, traffic on this. What else have been been looking at? Uh, I, I've been I've recently been watching a lot of uh, Better Call Saul. I love that show, and they, they're just now showing series two on Netflix um, every Tuesday. So off the back of that, I've gone back and I've been kind of rewatching Breaking Bad. And um, oh, I just love those shows to bits. So, do you think you need to have watched Breaking Bad to to understand or, or to enjoy Better Call Saul? Because no, I don't think so. I think uh, I think Better Call Saul stands on its own fairly well. Mm. It's, it it kind of it kind of treads that. It's quite a nice line where it's like if you do know Breaking Bad, 
it makes certain parts of Veracorsol better. Mm. But if you don't know it, you're no worse off. Like, for example, in, in one of the episodes um, uh, recently in series two, there's a there's a cop that shows up who who takes part in, in part of the proceedings. If you've never seen Breaking Bad, you do, you know he's he's just purely a cop. Mm. But if you've seen Breaking Bad, you recognise him. Oh, hang on, he's a cop who showed up in an in an episode of Breaking Bad. So it kind of there's that sort of thing where if you don't know the reference, it's no biggie. But if you do know the reference, it kind of gives you a bit more. It kind of gives you a little bit more kind of enjoyment of it. Oh yeah, I recognise that guy. Or oh yeah, that's referencing this bit. You know, so it's it's a nice kind of crossover, but not essential. But yeah, mm. I, I really just, recommend. As I say, I just wonder because I really love Bob Odenkirk like a lot. Oh, He's wonderful, but I um I couldn't get more than three episodes into Breaking Bad because it was just too grim for me. I was just like, I mm. want to kill myself. Like this is so grim. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like after after a sort of body dissolves through the ceiling and onto the landing, I was just like, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah, it's gross, but funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's one of those things where I don't really necessarily want to think about what people might do in order to to like get money to cure their own cancer in places that don't have NHSs. So yeah, <laughs> I just it would, never, it would never work in the UK. You got you got the, the whole, yeah. whole socialised medicine thing. Yeah, well, that, that's your that's your story premise out the window. So there we go. <laughs> Oh, I did used to live. Um, I did used to live in the states for a couple of years, mm. and I, I used to. I was always kind of extolling the virtues of socialized medicine. I, I was always kind of saying, "Oh, the NHS is so good." And they'd look at me like I was mental, <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, it's really good. You know, I, I can go to like the, the, the doctors or hospital and not pay thousands of dollars. It's really, you know, it's it's a good thing." And they, they thought I was mad. So yeah, sorry, Americans. I, I don't get why you don't like it. Yeah. But you should my, have it. My favourite thing was when somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody from America asked me like, you know, do you not get annoyed though if you have to like pay monthly towards the NHS, but then you never actually need it? And I was like, well, A, there's literally never going to be a case where I never need it. Like I'm going to get yeah. sick. I'm going to get sick at some point. I might not get yeah. a major illness, but I'm going to get sick at some point. But also yeah. I think I'd rather chip in like 50 quid a month or whatever it is based on my salary and not have to worry too much about going to the doctors or the hospital yeah. or because like, guess what I've got a heart problem and that would have cost me a fucking mint exactly. <laughs> yeah. and I, I think I've, I've certainly got my money's worth out of the NHS over the last couple of years so it's like no it, it makes sense it's pretty great so, but there we are but this isn't um you know let's all yell at the Tories and big up the no. NHS times um, that's, not, that's for a different podcast <laughs> That's, that, that seems to be whenever I talk to John Paul Bovey, we just end up ragging on the Tories, and I'm like, oh, we should probably talk about a film or something. Oh, JP's good for that, though. He is. He's good for a, <laughs> good for a good political rant. I love it. Well, you talking about uh, random stuff you've watched? I would like to talk to you about a film called House. <laughs> Yet again, this is another one of Richie's. I've got to watch a film a day. I've seen this on the internet. He started sort of trawling through like subreddits and things to find like the weirdest right. movies you might never have seen because rich is quite well watched there's no term for that well, is there in terms of yeah he's i'm kind of going for well read but film wise and i don't know what the yeah. equivalent is but he's that um, well, you. <laughs> Maybe? <I don't> know. <laughs> yeah he's he's seen a lot of films um so he's been trawling about the place trying to find films he hasn't seen and this mm. one it's it's called house it's a japanese sort of i think it's supposed to be a straight up horror movie 
Um, yeah. And it, it apparently it was made in like the seventies, but then didn't get released in in America until like two thousand and nine or something. Oh, and wow. it's just gone bananas over there. So oh, how to even explain this film? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's about a group of schoolgirls who were supposed to go on a school trip to somewhere I've forgotten already with yeah. one of their teachers, which is a teacher they apparently all fancy, but is not an attractive man. Um, <laughs> and. For some reason, it gets cancelled. Can't remember. Right. <laughs> but uh, but the main girl in it, it seems like her mum recently died, and her dad just sort of rocks up at one point and is like, "Guess what? I found a new wife. This is your mum now." And so she throws a bit of a paddy and says to her mates, <laughs> "Instead of going to wherever we were supposed to go to that got cancelled, let's all go visit my aunt in the middle of fucking nowhere." Because you know, as you do, yeah, exactly. I haven't seen her since my mum's funeral, so let's do that then. So they get to the middle of nowhere, and I mean, the film's already weird enough as it is because it's really odd, oddly edited. There's like, there's like yeah. bits of the film where there's like they're filming all five girls sitting on a wall talking, but then in the middle of the screen, it will just be like one of their faces, like big old. Like, it's so weird. And the soundtrack is terrible. Um, I think they only managed... They only managed to get like a like a composer to compose like maybe three songs tops and just like yeah. just stick them on a loop, guys. Just stick them on a loop, that's what we'll do. Um, <laughs> so they get to their aunt's house and I don't know what the fuck happens from here because like a cat tries to kill them and the aunt tries to kill them and the house tries to kill them and a grand like piano a- eats a person. <laughs> and like her legs are like twizzling around, sticking out the side of the piano. <laughs> and there's like a bit where a bunch of mattresses kill a girl. And I yes, okay. <laughs> and also, there's all the girls are named sort of after an aspect of their character or right. or personality. So like one of them's called um, Fantasy because she's always daydreaming about stuff, and one of them's called Mac because she's a fatty. So obviously McDonald's. Um, and one of them's called Kung Fu. And whenever she's on the screen and anything attacks her, she just sort of kicks it and this mad sort of like 70 style kung fu music occurs and it's just like do you ever just watch something and, and just wonder if you accidentally took some hallucinogenic drugs beforehand did, did i really just bolt all that vodka because, <laughs> yeah. I, I was just sitting there thinking have i just like hooked some absinthe to my veins and not realized like <laughs> this is insane and i don't quite know whether it was the worst thing i've ever seen or the or yeah like it's well it's definitely not the best but it's it's i mean i can't really not recommend it because you have to see it just to believe in it because it's just ludicrous experience in a film yeah it's one of these things that you just come away from watching and you're like what did i just see (laughs) it's madness i mean i'm not sure what bit of it's supposed to be scary because a lot of it as well i don't know if it's because of their very minimal obviously minimal budget but a lot of the effects are so hilarious that i don't know if it was supposed to be a comedy or the, if, if yeah. this was legit supposed to make me shit myself i don't know yeah, <laughs> like it's supposed to be scary but it didn't quite have the budget to make that work so it's just funny now yeah there's like yeah. like there's a bit where um the chubby one decides to go out and get this watermelon that they've been cooling in a well i don't know and <laughs> and she's like 
she goes like she disappears and one of the other girls is like oh i'm gonna go and check and see if she's okay Ugh, whatever <laughs> so she goes to the well and there's no one there so she starts pulling up the little rope that the watermelon was on i don't know what she thinks she was gonna find anyway but what she actually pulls out of the well is this girl's this fat girl's head and the head is just like floating around screaming at her and it's just like <laughs> what is going on it looks so terrible it's oh, oh and the, it's just the dialogue's awful and the yeah. uh the soundtrack's awful and the effects are awful and the idea of it is awful. I'm not sure like <laughs> whether the house was haunted or the aunt was a witch or something. Yeah. I don't All know. of the above. Now yeah, many of these things. There was also a very creepy <laughs> grocery bloke in the nearby village who seemed like he might actually be a rapist, so... <laughs> It's just so fucking weird. Like honestly, you have to go and watch it because I can't. I can't even put into words how bizarre this movie is. Yeah, madness, absolute madness. Yeah, but the thing is, the the funny thing about it is, is that like we'd we'd literally watched Gem and the Holograms like movie like the two like two days before and i was whinging all the way through house that this was just absolute nonsense and i couldn't believe what i was seeing and it was shit and we should turn it off and rich was like yeah "Yeah, but is it better or worse than gem and the holograms and i was like oh yeah when you put it into that perspective (laughs) 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 right i've not seen i've not seen gem and holograms but i've heard nothing but bad about it so (laughs) the thing is it's a difficult one because it's not the, the the problem with it is is that it takes itself far too it's got three problems three main problems mm. it takes itself far too seriously for a start so instead of being like a a really fun movie about a band and there's like rivalries and all this stuff it's actually like a really like bland movie about kids doing things right. and um the, the the second problem with it is that there's quite a big like sci-fi element in the cartoon gem and the holograms yeah in the, you know, there's a robot that's like projects holograms and that's who Jem is essentially. Yeah. And in this, there is a there is a sci-fi element and there is a robot, but it's so completely disconnected from the story <laughs> and it has nothing. Yeah, yeah, it has you could literally snip all those bits out and you'd like lose about forty minutes of the movie and it would still make perfect sense. It'd probably make a lot more sense actually. And the the third thing that's wrong with it is that it's sort of it doesn't exist in a sort of what am I trying to say here? So if you're in a musical, there's yeah. rules that apply to that world. So, for example, I could, if we were in a musical, I could start singing a song now and you would know the lyrics and join in and harmonise and we'd both do a dance routine that was exactly the same and then some extras yeah. would come in and start doing it as well. And that's how yeah, a musical know, works. Place, it's part of the world. Yeah. So there's a scene where that actually happens in this film, but it doesn't happen at any other point in the film. So it, right. it, it sets, <laughs> it, it's not set in a land where a musical could happen so it's just yeah. fucking weird <laughs> you're, just like, you're in the middle of this movie and they just start singing a song and then everybody starts harmonizing and then this robot joins in and you're just like what what <laughs> how do you all know this it's a it's this a happened, weird film this hasn't happened anywhere else in the film what's going on <laughs> yeah it's so bizarre and it's like i think the thing that bothers me as well is that it really um it really like it, it's too long for a start it's far too fucking long it's like <laughs> it's like almost star wars long and that's just silly um but it's yeah. it spends a lot of time just showing you youtube clips of stuff it's obviously trying to like it's trying to set itself in you know in a world where social media is a big deal and that's fine but hmm. it's a, it's dating itself entirely. Like, if you watch this in oh, about yeah. three years, you'll be like, what's this nonsense? 
but also it just totally takes you out of the movie half the time. Like you're just like, I don't, I don't care about this random person doing a drum on a fucking tin can or whatever. Can we, <laughs> can we just like roll yeah. on? Where are the misfits? They don't turn up Back until the story. Yeah. yeah, the misfits don't even turn up until the middle of the end credits. So cross. So you kidding me? <laughs> ah. Yeah. I don't know a great deal about Gem, but I do remember as a kid growing up, you had you know, the the kind of the 80s cartoon blocks. You had like Transformers and you had um, Action Force or G.I. Joe. You had Mask, you had Gem, you had, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I do remember it you know, as being part of that, that, that kind of block. So to have the, the misfits who were like a big intrinsic part of the show mm-hmm. not even show up until like right, like right near the end, what's yeah. the point? Well, there's this weird sort of story in this. So the idea is that... Um... Like, the basic premise is that Jerrica Benton and her sisters and adoptive sisters and stuff love doing her singing things, but, you know, Jerrica's a bit nervous and things. So one of her sisters, who's obsessed with filming everything and putting it on social media, um, she takes... Well, Jerrica takes a video of herself in which she's wearing a wig and hiding mostly in shadow and calls herself Jem uh, and sings a song. She videos herself and then tells her her sister to delete it, which, of course, she doesn't. She just puts it on YouTube. And... uh, yeah, it gets a billion views overnight somehow. <laughs> and uh, what's her face? Juliette Lewis? I want to say her name's Juliette Lewis, mm. but I'm having a right blank. She's this, like, head exec-type record company bird at Starlight mm. Records. And so she gets in touch and she's like, I want you, Gem, to be a thing. But she's desperate yeah. to have her as a solo artist. And she's like, nope, my sisters have got to come with me because family? Um yeah. Of course. So they go off and start being a band. Then there's also this side mission where they have to find pieces of this robot that her dad seems to have scattered clues around Los Angeles. Handily okay. enough, in the places where they end up playing gigs, scatter clues, <laughs> yeah, exactly, to, and coordinates to these bits of the robot to finish building the thing. And blah, blah, blah. The girls fall out because Jerrica signs a solo contract because she wants her money early because they're going to lose their house question mark we never come back to this yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then Juliet lewis's son who also works at the thing finds a copy of his dad's will that says that he can have the company whenever he likes so he boots his mom out everybody makes friends again la 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 the end and then um, okay. it's yeah it's such a weirdly paced movie because it seems like nothing happens for really long periods of time, but then everything happens in about three minutes. Like the period in which the girls fall out with each other and split up as a band and then make friends with each other again and become a band again is about seven minutes. That's nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it doesn't do anything for the... Yeah, it doesn't do anything for the story because like, there's no conflict there because it's immediately resolved. It's like they all get a bit sad and they all have a bit of a whinge and then they all meet up again and go, oh, well, you know... Yeah. And they're going to your drop. Yeah. yeah, and it's gone. It's just gone. And Juliet Lewis is proper like cheering down on all of the scenery <laughs> all the way through it. It's, Having it later. Yeah, it's such a weird mood. And the thing is as well, they play like three songs, Gem and the Holograms do, and they play three entire songs. Entire songs. Hmm. And I don't feel like we needed three entire songs. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's quite rare, actually. I mean, even looking at like, uh, well, one of my favourite films is Scott Pilgrim. And <sighs> when they play the songs in that, you know, they're always like just cut down. You, you never hear more than like, like, so like a minute and a half maximum of a song of it. It's very rare you get like an actual full song, you know? Oh, yeah. These ones are like three, four minutes just going Ooh, on. And there's one very weird performance where Jem's trying to be a solo artist and she just looks like a Lady Gaga ripoff. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's like, I don't, I don't know what you're trying to do here, movie, because I don't care about any of it. 
something. You've lost me. You've lost yeah. me. It's really sad because I was really, I was actually quite excited for it, even when it got kind of panned because I was like, mm. but it's it's Gem and the Holograms though. But it's not. Yeah. That's that's the problem. It's not. Yeah. You know how the whole like thing about Gem was it being truly outrageous? This is yeah. like like the opposite of outrageous. It's like an outrageous <laughs> vacuum. It it's just, really normal. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's really bland and there's a lot of stupidness in it. Like, for example, one of the pivotal moments of film is when they realise that this robot that they've been picking up bits and pieces of across Los Angeles can only be finished using the earrings that Jerrica's dad gave her when, before he died. But these yeah. earrings, right, get this, uh, were taken and put into a safe by Juliette Lewis when she first signed the band because she didn't think they were good for their image. Now, here's a question for everyone. And if anyone has the answer to it, please let me know. If if you're in a band and your record producing person company says to you, drop those earrings, we don't like them, do you not just take them off and put them in your pocket or in your bag? Why, <laughs> why do you give them to someone and they put them in a safe? You've got <laughs> and so, I didn't wear earrings and I think that's mental. <laughs> so there's the, this whole like pivotal scene where they have to break into Star, Starlight Records, which is another thing that doesn't make sense because Jem... Jerrica person and yeah. Juliet Lewis's son break in. Now he works there, so I don't know why he couldn't just walk in and go, Sup, mum, I'm using the safe. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't make it's zero sense. <laughs> zero sense. And I just could, and you know, when like there are a lot of things I will forgive some films for if I'm enjoying them overall. Oh, yeah, totally. Like Deadpool, I actually have a couple of problems with Deadpool, but I let it go because it's so fucking enjoyable for the most part. Yeah. But, like, this movie was such a charisma vacuum that by the end of it, I was just like, no, none of this, none of this makes sense. And I was just, like, raging all over the place because it's just, (laughs) I can't let things go when everything's terrible. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think if you're enjoying a film... You're you're more forgiving to any kind of flaws, but when when they're just so glaring, they they completely just take away from any enjoyment. Mm. Then you know the the, the film is it's, it's earned whatever kind of drubbing it gets at that point. I think. <laughs> yeah, I just I just it's so not Jim. It's so not Jim. <laughs> it sounds like you're describing the uh, the live action Transformers films, <laughs> oh, mate. The thing about those, right? Because I've had a lot of people tell me off about this because people say, "Do you know what?" All I wanted was robots fighting, and that's what I got. And I'm like, no, we watched a different no. movie because all yeah. I wanted was robots fighting. <laughs> and what I got was Shia LaBeouf and fucking <laughs> robots watching eBay from space somehow, question mark, and robots fighting behind things so I can't fucking see. Yeah, oh, not, just, so not just a handheld camera, but a handheld camera presumably shot from the inside of an active washing machine <laughs> where, oh, where you can't see anything it's you know, all, the, all the robots look all grey and oh, no. do you know this is the thing I've said this before and you'll probably tell me off about this since you've called Transformers books but uh, <laughs> I am I've always been terrible with rec- like putting names to faces with human people but I find with Transformers and particularly the movies not so much with the comics but particularly with the movies I couldn't remember which robot was which for the most part because outside of being blue and red which I know is Optimus Prime and the yellow one which I know is Bumblebee all the rest of them were grey and had very similar deep booming voices and I was like I don't know I don't know I don't know what's happening (laughs) is he a good guy I know in in the latest one in Transformers 4 which was what uh, Age of Extinction I've, I've kind of given up at that point. I've still not seen that film all the way through. I've, I've seen tiny bits of it here and there and what I've seen on the trailers. And that seems to be the, the one film where they've kind of learned their lesson in that all the robots now have sort of distinguishing colours on them. So you can, you can kind of work out who's doing what and where. 
but still it's it, it's just it's just such a brainless overlong action it's like no nah, that's that's not for me i'll stick with the comics thank you very much yeah i just i don't <laughs> I, I just couldn't the the worst part about that is i was excited about that too because i don't i'll be honest i didn't really watch much of the transformers when i was younger but i kind of I just love the idea of it, like robots fighting all over the place and transforming into other things and fighting. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Of course, that's you could do with that. Yeah, go on then. But yeah, watching that film, I was just like, when are we going to get to the bit with the robots? Because, right, do you know how I saw this movie? And I don't know if this is even doable, right, but here's my idea. Here's my pitch, if you're listening, <laughs> Hollywood execs. So we start on Cybertron, right, and we're talking, uh-oh, shit's going down, we're running out of fuel sources and energon and whatever. Crap, what do we do? So some like scientists are trying to do a scientisty thing. Sci- scientist robots. I love the idea of scientist robots. Um, yes. Scientist robots are trying to do their science thing. And like military robots are like getting all... <laughs> and so Megatron decides, I'm going to go start looking elsewhere for stuff because we clearly are up the shitter. And so he mm-hmm. finds Earth and there's some sort of something on Earth. I haven't decided what yet. It's a very unformed plan. Some sort yeah. of something <laughs> on Earth that is basically the same as their energy sources yeah so he's like haha plunder but he comes down and starts causing all sorts of chaos whereas optimus prime is like yo can't we just like have a chat with them and maybe yeah, maybe not be giant dicks right so then they have to go down to earth as well all the autobots and then there's a big old robot fight and the only humans involved are the military because they're like robots are fighting what the fuck <laughs> and then there's a big massive fucking fuck off awesome robot showdown times and yeah. all the shit hits the fan. Robots. Yeah, and it's all well shot and all choreographed and it actually makes sense. Yeah, man. And there's yeah. no Shia LaBeouf and there's no what's-the-face Megan Fox's bum just, like, yes, exactly. gallivanting. It's just, you know, that military guy getting all military-y and all sorts of yeah. carnage. <laughs> no, I, I think that makes sense. So, yeah, we can live in hope. I mean, hopefully one... I mean, they'll keep making these things because they make money, but hopefully they'll reboot them at some point so we get a, an actually a really good Transformers film. I hope. <laughs> I do Maybe. wonder when they're going to do that because they do seem to just be dragging out these ones, which is just. I mean, I haven't seen. I haven't seen the third or the fourth one because I don't know why. After the mess that was the first one, I thought let's go to the cinema and see the second one. I think it was because we still yeah. had Cineworld cards at the time, so it seemed That's like it was sort of free. That seems like the best excuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that that film was me and Rich were very close to walking out of that movie, and I think. Because we've only ever walked out of yeah. one film at the cinema before, which was Dinner for Schmucks, which was uh, <laughs> a sad time for everyone involved. But um, we were really close to walking out of there, but it was literally just a case of like, well, we kind of have to get our money's worth that made mm. us stay. So I've not seen the third or the fourth one. But like, no, I think it's safe there to just carry on doing that, really. <laughs> it's been so long now. I'm like, we've already had like three different Spider-Men in that time. <laughs> can That's we not? True. Can we not get a new? Hey, have you seen the new trailer for? Uh, from oh. Civil War. Actually, I'm, normally I'm fairly kind of I'm fairly kind of restrained, but um, I, I must admit when I did see that last trailer for Civil War, at one point I did punch the air, and at one point I did go, "Oh fuck!" So yes, it um, was it Cap's def- line. Yes, to call back to the first one. Oh, yes. that was just I was like, "Yes, that was amazing." Yeah, I'm I'm completely and totally 100% on board. I can't wait to see Civil War. That film's going to be just awesome. So yeah. Count me in. I'm, a... I say, I'm not a fan of not a fan of like the superhero comics, mm. but the Marvel Cinematic Universe absolutely sign me up. Well, I'm a bit torn on it to be honest because I did I hated the first Cat movie. Don't kill me, mm. and, I, <laughs> and I wasn't that keen on Age of Ultron either. 
there were bits there were bits of it I liked, but bits of it I wasn't keen on. Mm. And the problem with this movie for me is, and I had the same pro- problem with the comic book, so I, I kind of hope they deal with it somehow in the film, is that I don't get how... In the idea of the, the comic book, so it was like they've decided superheroes need to be registered and they need to give the names to the government to be culpable yeah. for any sort of like damages and blah de blah mm. And so half the heroes go, yeah, all right, and the other half go, fuck off, no. mate. Um, and the thing that i don't understand is where at what point does that go from can we sit down and talk through the pros and cons and do this like a proper fucking like i don't know vote or some sort of democratic process to let's just fucking annihilate each other in the street and cause (laughs) all the problems we're trying to stop yeah let's just have a big fight in an airport car park yeah that's that's absolutely (laughs) always bothered me about the comic book because it's just like well you you're saying you don't want this tony stark or whoever you know which whichever sides on whatever Uh, everybody's saying we don't want to explode schools but here you are exploding me right outside of school (laughs) like what's and it drives me a bit mad and also i've got a theory about spider-man that i hope's I kind of hope he's true, and I can't. I hope he's not true at the same time. <laughs> Which is basically that um, you know the very brief bit of him that's in the trailer. Like, did yes. you notice how completely young and naive and adorable he sounds compared to everyone else? Yeah, um, he's an actual. He's, a, he's, a, he's an actual schoolboy this time around, isn't yeah. he? So. Yeah. So I had a really horrible feeling that because he's like young and inexperienced, that they might kill him just to piss off Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the best fucking thing ever? <laughs> but everybody in the world would cry. <laughs> but I would be like punching the air, like yes. Ah, you can smell the court case from here. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? I would absolutely love it. They just make this whole brouhaha about bringing him back, and then they just off him straight yeah. away. Off you go. We Brilliant. brought Tom Holland on for just one second of film. Yeah. Yep. So it was really... <laughs> yep. And then we can have Miles Morales in the next one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd be, I'd be all over that. She says optimistically. It's not going to happen, but... <laughs> it's not, no, we, we can dream. We can dream. But there we go. Someone's got to yeah. die, though, surely. Ah, more than likely. But um, i got a feeling whoever does cop it will be brought back uh, by one of the Infinity Stones in Infinity War anyway. Oh, yeah, but... Um, Either way, I'm 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 on board for it. So you know, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I completely see what you're saying about um, uh, Age of Ultron. I really enjoyed it, but it was there was definite flaws to that film, and I didn't. I don't think it, it, it doesn't quite reach the the heights of the first Avengers film, yeah. but it was pretty good. Yeah. And I think I'm a big fan of the Russell brothers, and I know like I love Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and oh, I'm, I'm that's confident. A good film. I'm confident they'll do really well with Civil War, and of course they're going to be doing the Infinity War as well. So I'm I'm really optimistic. I, th- I think they'll I think they'll do do a really good job of it. So time will tell. Indeed, I hope so. It's just I did not expect to be in a situation where I was slightly more excited about Batman versus Superman than I was Civil War because oh, I. <laughs> Is that, isn't that weird? Because I um I've I've not been, I've I've still like I'm still not sold given the the latest um Batman versus Superman trailers, but I think because I'm going into this with such low expectations, it has the yeah. potential to be like kicking My me in the fan. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it's really bizarre because I I mean when they first announced that uh, Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, I thought that's great. He's going to be really good. And then the more and more I've seen of him and the suit and the general kind of the kind of style they've done for him, it's like he could be like the definitive um, like big screen Batman. He could be really good, mm. but he's trapped in this Zack Snyder doom fest, and it's like oh. So we'll we'll see we'll see. I'm I'm and I know I'm going to see it, but 
and sadly kind of, enough, I've already got tickets for opening day because it comes out on Good Friday over here, doesn't it? So it was like, oh, yeah. day off work. And also, there's um, there's a cinema in Birmingham that um, when there's like big movies like this come out, they do like themed cocktails and stuff. Um, ah, like when cool. when Star Wars came out, I went to I went to see that at the Electric Cinema, and they had uh, first of all we booked a sofa, which. Pff, I love a good sofa. Also, the sofas have table service. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, and I was getting so rip-roaringly drunk on. Uh, it was a cocktail called the the Force is Strong with this rum, and it was just like it was like a lot of rum and a lot of some the kind of liqueur that I've forgotten right now. Like show it a bit of lime juice. The end. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope to get really really drunk on Batman based cocktails later. So cool. That'll be good. <laughs> that'll be really good. Yeah, Every cocktail contains no parents. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, the one thing that's bothering me about Batman versus Superman more than anything else is uh, is yeah. Lex Luthor's hair, Be- and it's not because he yeah. has hair. Like it doesn't bother me if they want to have the character have hair because I don't think baldness is going to make that much of a difference to his character. What bothers mm. me is that it's that hair. It's like the Flop. worst hair I've ever seen. <laughs> like no yeah. human person has that hair and goes, "Yep." I look good today. <laughs> but also, no human person acts like that, so it's like, oh, we'll see. I'm, I'll, I'll be there for it, but it's, it's, it's got to win me over. But, but as you said, because the expectations are so low, it might actually work in its favour. So, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tentative, yeah? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Kind of. Although, um, if you've if you've spoken at all to to JP about it, um, his his mocking stance on it is superb. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I kind of want to go and see it with him, but <laughs> don't oh, think that's I can't. I can't think of a better way to watch it. <laughs> Can you imagine? The thing is, the, the other thing that I'm concerned about is that I feel like Deadpool might have ruined the rest of this year's movies for me by just being so yeah, good. They will, they will all seem a bit po-faced compared to that. So <laughs> yeah, I took, yeah, I I took my mom to see that, and uh, a lot of people at work were like, <laughs> "Do you often take your mom to see films where people like really rampantly have sex and get their heads blown off?" And I was like, <laughs> "Sadly enough, actually, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I think the last thing I went to see with my mum before that was Dallas Boyers Club. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which opens with sex in a rodeo barn or something. And I'm like, oh, <sighs> happy Mother's Day. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's a, it's a normalising experience now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. One of my mum's favourite films, though, is Zach and Miri make a porno. So that says a lot about <laughs> her like level yeah. of <laughs> insanity. It's, I think it shows where I get it from. We, yeah, um, that was a Kevin Smith thing, wasn't it? The, it was, um, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, we had a we had a theory once that I might be allergic to Kevin Smith films um, <laughs> because every time we've watched more than one in a row, I've been sick and we can't fathom out any other reason why I've thrown up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfectly plausible to me. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because um, Rich was saying to me the other day about um, possibly going to see, is it More Rats 2 or Clerks 3 that's coming out first? I forget. Uh, I think. I think more rats tunes come out first. I think. Yeah, he was like, "Do you want to go and see it at the cinema?" And I was like, well, "As long as we don't watch any of the Kevin Smith films afterwards, because I might barf." <laughs> yeah, and take a bag with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so weird. I don't know it's how like, I feel about so- uh, about Kevin Smith, like about more rats two and stuff, because I don't think I'm I'm not as big a fan of Kevin Smith as basically everyone else that I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a yeah, difficult it's, stance. I'm torn by it. I still haven't seen Clerks uh, two yet, but um. I don't know. It just feels like it feels like the, the Kevin Smith films never felt like they really needed sequels. So it does feel a little bit. Um, I don't know. It just feels a bit not needed. Mm. But again, you know, I still I say I, I can't really say because I haven't seen Clerks too. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't really kind of didn't kind of appeal to me. But yeah. I will catch up with it at some point. See, I really like 
well, I don't really like Clerks 2. I like Clerks 2 more than I like Clerks, but I don't know whether mm. that's because I just didn't like Clerks. <laughs> so I don't yeah, think... It, and it's nothing, it's nothing like it either, so it's that's probably why I enjoy it, because it's not even... It's not similar, I don't think. Yeah, well, the first Clerks film, was, you know, that, that was proper kind of like guerrilla indie filmmaking, mm. whereas Clerks 2 is much more of a, a sort of like a regular kind of Hollywood studio kind of machine, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? So it's... It's a little different after that. So there is it's in a, colour. You shouldn't yeah. be. There is a section in Clerks too where a um, man whose name I've forgotten. Shit, I'm so terrible at <laughs> names. Uh anyway. Uh where one of the guys basically encapsulates my entire feeling about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um <laughs> which is essentially he's just like, Do you know what do you know what those books are? Walk, 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 whinge, whinge, whinge. Oh, the rings made me invisible. Oh, I've thrown it in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we got like 55 million years of movies out of those, but there yeah, we go. Definitely. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a ripe subject matter, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, talking to my, good. I was talking to my hubby lately about Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and stuff, because I did watch all three Lord of the Rings movies, even though I didn't really like them. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I thought visually they were stunning and all the performances were great. They just all yeah. felt too long to me. There was a lot of walking and Frodo having a cry that could easily have been cut out for my liking. And yet they kept adding more to it just for you. Yeah, <laughs> loved it. Um, but then I didn't bother with The Hobbit at all because I was like, do you know what? I tried reading the Lord of the Rings books as well and I hated them. Uh, and yeah. I tried the films and I don't like them. So do you know what? I'm just going to stay away from The Hobbit, especially considering I thought three films based on three books were too long. So three films based on one based book on is possibly going to be... Yeah. <laughs> Thin book at that. Yeah. Yeah. They. Um. Yeah. They, as, as far as the like the the licensing money went, I think they got their. Uh, I think they got the money's worth out of that. They definitely wrung that cash oh. cow dry. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fully twisted. <laughs> Not a drop left. But like. But, there was uh, yeah. someone was talking the other day about that. Apparently, there's like extended versions of the Hobbit movies yeah. and like yeah, Rich, Rich, the Rings as well. yeah Rich was talking about doing a Lord of the Rings marathon and I was like I'm out I do not care I did the yeah. Harry Potter marathon which took us like <laughs> o- over a day and it almost killed me oh I mean that, that's it's, it's a bump <laughs> the problem with the Harry Potter films is that the first few are not very good because the kids can't act very well and then yeah. the middle few are alright and then it gets really grim and then it gets really elongated because that last book didn't need to be two movies yeah. and so you just you just you don't there's not a point in the in the films at all where you feel like you're not struggling <laughs> Yeah, it's just a bit of a, it's a bit of a slog the whole way through at that point. Oh, it's so hard, especially because like the fifth book and film are my least favourite in you know both series. Yeah. And so when you get to that and you realise that you're only just halfway and you've got to yeah, get the through the shittiest movie, you're like, oh, why am I doing this to myself? Come on, why? Yeah. Oh, and I, the the problem was as well. I was just sort of recovering from the flu at the time, so I was a little bit delirious. <laughs> <laughs> watching some Kevin Smith films <laughs> just throwing up everywhere um, <laughs> which I don't think helped I've just realised what time it is uh, and, and there's still a thing that I wanted to talk about oh yeah cool was there anything else you wanted to mention before I start properly blathering no blather away <laughs> okay well I just I, I, on the recommendation of like a billion people on the internet who apparently know me better than I do I, I picked up Giant Days which is a Boom Studios book by John Allison the first six issues are drawn by Lisa Trayman I think that's how you pronounce her name and uh, and the next ones like from seven onwards are drawn by Max Sarin and it's um well I bought it yesterday and I've read 12 issues now <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was I was at work today as well. Yeah, I love it. And the thing is, it's one of those books that's really difficult to describe because I know I'm going to do it a disservice because it's one of those you've got to read it to understand just how good it is because it's like it's like a sort of slice of life kind of comic it's about three 18 year old girls who've just gotten who's just they've just made friends at university because they're all uh, their dorm rooms are next to one another and there's oh they're just it's brilliant it's got a really distinct it almost reminds me it's a bit it's almost buffyish in its tone in that it's very sharp and witty and quick and really really funny but the thing that I like the most about it is that it is very slice of lifey, but every now and then something kind of absurd or something a bit dream sequency will happen and it's super clever and it's yeah. just smashing. And I love it. Like, I'm literally addicted. And the worst part was is I got to the end of issue 12, which is the last one that's out, and there was a big, like, sort of dan-dan-dan moment, oh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> why is this the point at which I've had to... Uh, uh, why can't I yeah. have caught up next it's week? It's got you on the hook now. <laughs> Oh, it drives me mad. It's so good, though, because it's... The thing is, it's one of those books that... um, I always think I'm not going to like books that are just about regular people doing fairly regular things. Yeah. Because the main reason I read comics is because I want to, you know, escape my regular life of doing regular things. Yeah. Um, Extraordinary kind of thing. Yeah. But I must not know myself very well, because probably two of my favourite books are are now this and Little Depressed Boy, which I don't know if you've ever read that. That's... um, No. Oh, it's an image comic by uh, Sean Stephen Struble and Cena Grace, and it's about uh, a sack boy called Little Depressed Boy who's uh, <laughs> who's a little bit depressed and he likes music, and it's about him just sort of trying to meet a girl and be happy. Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of thing that I just both of these books are the kind of thing that I would normally say, why would I want to read that? That sounds like my life, but in a uni, or my life, <laughs> but working at a cinema. But um, yeah. but they're just both so. Just oh, addictive. Works like. Yeah. The great the great thing about Little Depressed Boy as well is that he's a sack boy and nobody else is a sack person and nobody ever oh. mentions it, but that's just what he is. Yeah. Oh, that's quite sweet. It's so good. You should read both of these things. Um, it's, it's a giant days and um, the, the depressed little... Pre- little little depressed, depressed boy. Yeah. 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 Cool. The great thing about Giant Days as well is that it's... um You would think that a book that was about three girls set in a university would probably be fairly niche in terms of the people it would appeal to because I've never been to university, mostly because when I was 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself when I <laughs> when I grew up, uh, and I still don't, <laughs> which is which is why I haven't been to no, uni. That's about standard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the problem is a lot of people seem to think that you... You know, you go through school and then you pick your options in year nine and then you go through that and then you pick whatever you do at college and do your A-levels and then you know, ah, ha, 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 this is what I'm going to be. And then you go off and you get a degree and all of the money and time and effort in a degree is totally worth it because guess what? You're a volcanologist now or whatever it was you wanted to be. Whereas I left school and I went, oh, do you know what I could do with a break from school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I did my A-levels and I was like, oh, do you know what? I could do with a nap. I don't... <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't really. That's more, that's, that's more achievable and cheaper. So that's quite yeah. good. Yeah, just pretty much just sort of faffed for a bit, then went off and got a job when I needed to, and then never really grew up at all and decided yeah. what I wanted to do. So you would... a similar thing, really. But, <laughs> yeah. So you would think, like, reading this book, that I would just be like, oh, I don't get it because I don't know anything about uni life or, like, uh, what it's like to yeah. study or blah de blah But it's actually just the characters are so likeable in the sense that they're all quite... They've all got flaws as well. Like, one of them yeah. is just an absolute drama magnet. Um, <laughs> everywhere she goes, something happens. 
and uh oh it's just so good because i think one of the things i really like about it is that it's it's three women but they're all they're three very different women and they've they've all got good points and bad points but they're all very i hate the term strong female character because it kind of implies that you have to be flawless and like be able to kick a guy's ass but these are these are to me what strong female characters should be in the sense of they are realistic representations of different women with personalities (laughs) because guess what we can't all be fantastic all the time exactly yeah because we're also humans yeah i mean like just you know you say you you say strong female character but a strong female character is just you know a strong character and a strong character regardless if it's male or female if it's a strong character it will kind of implant on your on your on your memory and kind of get you kind of engrossed and that's that's what you want isn't it mm-hmm. and also there's a guy in it who's adorable and i'm kind of in love with him uh, his no. name's his name's ed gemmel and he looks a bit like scott pilgrim but not quite um <laughs> that's another thing i haven't really talked about is that the art in this book is amazing it's like it's i don't know how to describe it because i don't want to say cartoony but it's definitely not like the realistic sort of looking comics um it's definitely yeah it's very stylized and the colors are very um like they pop and they're very crisp and and clean and i just i really really love it also there's some brilliant british accents that pop up randomly in there um i can't remember what the one was but it was very definitely a yorkshire accent and i almost died i was like oh it's brilliant that's another thing I love, things that are set in the UK, because they very rarely happen. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, not, not that popular a locale for the comics kind of side of things. So. <laughs> I would love like a like a brummy, brummy set book, but this, I, th- I think this is set in Sheffield. I don't know 100% because the only place they talk about quite frequently <clears throat> is uh, Susie's hometown of Northampton and how it's a shithole. <laughs> I've never been, so I can't say. But, um... No, same here. <laughs> I'm sure a Barry of Geek Syndicate will have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely worth a read. It's like my new favourite thing. I'm addicted. Oh, cool. So now you just got to wait for the next lot to come out. Well, that's the thing, you see, because I was reading an article today, but this was me frantically researching on the bus on the way home from work because I'd just finished reading uh, issue 12. Yeah. And, um... I was reading an article and I don't know I didn't pay attention to how old it was so I hope it was really really old in which yeah. it was like guess what this book was only supposed to be six issues but now they've lengthened it to 12 and I was thinking please don't let 12 be the end because it ends yeah. on such a fucking cliffhanger I was like no this this, this can't be how you finish a thing like not even no that's completely unfair yeah. Ending something on a cliffhanger is just outright evil. <laughs> it really is, and it's Demand like resolution. It's an absolute doozy of a cliffhanger as well. Like it's not even a little one that you could just go, oh, oh that's annoying. But uh, it's it's one yeah. of those like sort of like ah. It's, it's a <laughs> If you were binge watching it as a TV show, you'd want the next episode now. <laughs> <laughs> Too sweet. Oh, oh cool. I tell you, awesome. But yeah, that's pretty much Giant all I've things. been doing this week. Uh, is reading that and um, putting putting many films in my eyes because of rich yeah <laughs> weird <laughs> japanese horrors from the 70s yeah well i also had to watch like um i'm doing some guest spots upcomingly mm. on uh the pick a flick podcast which is um <laughs> cool. a show that a friend of mine does that's basically listeners choose a film and then a host and two guests will talk about the film and then get quizzed on the films and uh the, the episodes that i've done uh, one of the films i had to watch was four rooms and i don't know if you've ever seen that but um yes a long time ago the tim roth one yeah that's the he one he plays the bellboy that kind of interlinks all the films yeah it's a terrible piece of gash movie um, <laughs> <laughs> i did like a quarter of it <laughs> it seems so, to have got everybody was saying to me that there was one 
one of the four stories was good, but nobody could remember which one. And then I watched all four of them and went, no, you're wrong, internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I've not seen the film for oh, a long, long, long time. But I do remember seeing, like I said, I do remember there was one quarter of it I did like. Well, I quite like the title sequence, but that's because I like animation. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, that was quite good. The, um, the, the, the sequence that everybody seems to think, like, according to the internet at large, the yeah. bit that everyone liked the most is the Antonio Banderas bit, where him and his wife leave their two, like, demon children in the hotel room while they go out and celebrate New Year's, and they just, like, set fire to everything, and they <laughs> find a horse corpse under the mattress and, like, all sorts of shenanigans. Yeah. But I, I was just, by that point, I was so wishing that the movie was over that I just didn't even care anymore. I was like... <laughs> you know. I'm not a fan, then. No. So you can yeah. hear more of my opinions on that terrible, terrible movie <laughs> on an upcoming episode of Pika Flea. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Never mind. Oh, yeah, one day uh, I'll watch a film <laughs> that's not insane and that... To be fair, I have watched Deadpool three times in the past month because... Because <laughs> I love it so much. If that doesn't doesn't warp your brain, I don't know what will. (laughs) The thing about that movie is that that's probably the one movie that I've watched recently that I've thought you could add an extra half hour to that and I'd be happy. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's really funny and it's it's full of character and it's it's, it's really, really entertaining. But if you you actually look at it objectively, it's incredibly light on story. Oh, gosh, yeah. But it doesn't hurt it because it's such a funny film. Yeah. Again, it's that thing where... If the dialogue was crap and the jokes were crap and it was just, you know, not good, you'd probably criticise it for the story. Mm-hmm. But as it stands, because it is so funny and the characters are so likeable and it's just a good laugh, you kind of don't mind that it's quite storyline. In fact, it, it helps to kind of skip along quite quickly. Yeah. I think the only bit that I would I would have liked a bit more on is the bit where he's actually becoming Deadpool. Yeah. Because that sort of montage of, like, him trying on different suits and beating up uh, Francis's is, 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 uh, <laughs> hooligans and thugs. Like, that bit was really good, and I love the Deadpool rap that was going on in the background. That's like yeah. my new soundtrack to strutting down the street. Just um, another two or three minutes there to kind of kind of beef that up a little bit would have been good. Yeah, because it sort of goes from him deciding he's going to be Deadpool to, like, trying on a white suit and then going, no, red, red's probably better, and then going, oh, all of a sudden I have this top-notch-looking suit that I don't know where he got that from. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> this is the other thing. Like, I didn't realise how long the timeline of the movie was because it felt so short. Yeah, it's supposed um, to be like a year or so, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to It's like well over a year that he's, like, plotting against Francis because I thought her reaction at the end of him being gone was, like, really overplayed until I realised, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's actually been gone for, like, nearly two years. Yeah. It's like, now that, now that <laughs> makes sense. Now you don't seem like a lunatic. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ryan Reynolds is so beautiful. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, I, I can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, well, I, could, I could ramble on Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> or fucking day. Um, so, <laughs> hey, guess what? Let's, let's roll it up there because I will actually genuinely yep. talk about Deadpool forever. <laughs> Where can people find you and your impending Kickstarter on the internet? Right, so um, I guess if people go to kickstarter.com and do a search for Bruce Outback, that should show up the uh, the Bruce Outback Kickstarter. So that, that'll run through the end of March up until nearly the end of April. So if somebody you know could check that out and validate me, that'd be great and <laughs> throw some money away to print it. That'd be fantastic. So thanks everyone in advance for that. Otherwise, 
We've got the Attic Studios uh, website. Attic Studios is where we'll have uh, the Loose Cannon comics, the Druid Investigations comics, and the Bruce Outback comics. So the um, the website for that, it's uh, www.atticstudios.website. So if people want to pop onto that, they can see preview uh, preview artwork, they can see behind-the-scenes stuff, um, they can pick up uh, back issues of the book if they want. So there's plenty of good stuff there. And if you're really interested in looking at any of my previous colouring stuff, I've got my own website set up, which is www.chriscarter.co.uk. But of course, remember that Chris is spelt K-R-I-S, not C-H. Because you'd be amazed how often I get... I, I get emails in work where my email address has got my name on it, and it's K-R-I-S. And people email me that, and then they say in there, Hi, Chris, and they spell it C-H-R-I-S. You've literally just typed in my name correctly to get to me, and now you're spelling my name wrong? I have the exact same problem, because oh. Stacy can be spelt without an E. Yeah. Mine is with an E. And, <laughs> uh, and the number of times... The thing is, some of my colleagues have picked up on how much it pisses me off when they email me without the E, so some of them do it on purpose now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure like, 90% of the emails I get that are wrong are done on purpose just to annoy me. So it's like, ah, great, thanks, guys. Oh, but, um, it stresses me out so much. <laughs> But yeah, so um, yeah, people can check me out there. And um, if you want to catch me on Twitter, my uh, Twitter handle, it's at DriveR, which is D-R-I-V-A-A-A-R. <laughs> that's important, probably. Um, and otherwise, I think that's about it, I think, for me. Yeah, so yeah. Jolly good. Well, if any of you want to get in touch with me, I am at Stacey's Parlour, at Stacey with an E and Parlour with a U. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to get the spellings. On the Twitters, um, I'm going to be announcing fairly soon. Actually, I've already announced the first person who's booked in for the 24-hour parlour times that's happening in July, and that is uh, the lovely Kelly Thompson. I'm very excited to talk to her. She's currently writing the IDW Gem and the Holograms books, which are amazing, and you should all go and read them. Uh, I'm going to poo myself probably talking to her. And uh, <laughs> the worst part is, is she's booked in at midnight, so I'll probably be quite monged by then. Yeah, um, sticks in your eyes, kind of propping things open. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to be. It's going to be rough, but <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so. Maybe upgrade from tea to coffee at that point. <laughs> well, the worst part is, is that the last time I did the 24-hour episode, I was with my friend Jenny, who uh, mm. who doesn't drink at all. So I was like, oh, I won't drink either because I don't want to look like the unprofessional knobber when this is my <laughs> podcast and I'm trying to raise money for a respectable charity. Cool. But this time, Jenny's not joining me. And so now I'm frightened that I'm going to be like, whiskey! And just <laughs> go bananas and just hey, be a drunken Well, that's the thing. It probably would until about like three or four in the morning and then it'd just be yeah <laughs> and people snoring unless I just like Irish coffee and then ooh actually that's an idea anyway hey, write that down <laughs> <laughs> um, but... yes so if you follow Stacey's Parlour on Twitter I will be announcing other guests soon and because uh, I've got more people booked in I'm just trying to like you know keep people in suspenders and that um, <laughs> and I will also be giving out the just giving page details and the website details for the actual broadcast itself so if you follow me over there you'll get all those bits and bobs you can also email me at stacysparlour at gmail.com and you can buy shirts what have my face on at spcp.spreadshirt.co.uk uh, and if you want to leave a review anywhere that reviews can be left <laughs> that'd be nice I like reading reviews because it makes my head swell 
Oh, Chris, it's been lovely talking to you. Likewise, thanks for having me on the uh, on your podcast. Oh, thank you for joining me. I hope that um, I hope that you get like the Stacey's Parlor bump on your Kickstarter, and like everyone's like, oh, I heard about you through Stacey's Parlor. That won't happen because I've got about ten listeners, but that's the hey, dream. Sounds good. <laughs> that's, that's currently more readers than I've got for Bruce Outback, so you know it's all. It's, it's all... <laughs> Oh, well, um, yeah, fingers crossed, you know. I know how, like, Comedy Bang Bang always does, like, the CBB bump on things, and I'm thinking, I wonder <laughs> I wonder how big of a bump I could make. Probably not very big, but oh, we'll give I it a go. try. Um, I will be annoying people on Twitter very soon, so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, that's this is the other problem, is I keep saying today that I'm, like, super British, but I really am, because the other problem with organising this 24-hour thing is that I'll contact people, and they'll say, yeah, I'm interested, and then they'll forget about me. And, yeah, and, and you, you I, don't I don't, yeah, I don't know at what point I'm like it's okay to poke them again, and like how many times I should poke them again. Yeah. Like, what's, what's what's the etiquette here? I what, don't know. What do I do? Too, too polite. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to end up losing out on no. probably some top notch guests because I'll just be like, oh no, I'm frightened. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to. I didn't want to push too much. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. It'll end up. The, the worst part is, is that currently, like, I have got quite a few guests booked in, but at the moment, I've got nobody booked in from one in the morning till uh, nine in the morning on the Sunday. <laughs> See, well, it's a very sociable hour, so. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a feeling that's just going to be me steadily declining into madness because I'm talking to myself and really tired. But It'll I think be some interesting conversation. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm hoping to like rope in some Americans for that part because like the time yeah, difference will mean it won't be too late for them, will it? So yeah, play, definitely play the time difference card. I think that's I'll a good chance. <laughs> do my puppy dog eyes at Adam Hughes again and see if he comes back on. There you go. It'll be it'll be fine. Oh, good, luck, good, good luck with that. Twenty four hours does sound a bit of a. Oh, it's, a it's a long time. <laughs> yeah, the worst part for me anyway is that because I'm sort of a naturally paranoid person, is that every time I went to the toilet, I was panicking that listeners might be like timing me. To see if they could tell whether it was a weir or poo, but uh, <laughs> make a game of it. You never know. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I tried to be really sneaky and just do the quickest poos I've ever done in my life, but um, you can't really force your body to do those kind of things. Yeah, well, it depends yeah. on which coffee you drink, I suppose. Well, see, I, I don't think I drank enough considering I was eating very stodgy, like takeaway food for most of the day. Oh uh, yeah, that'll yeah that'll that'll have an effect. <laughs> that, that'll back you up, and the en- <laughs> the energy drinks wrecked my bowels for like a week oh. afterwards. Anyway, nobody cares about my bowel movements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the update. Yeah. On that note, it was lovely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking about poo with me. Oh, that's okay. You're more than welcome. <laughs> oh, and I shall see you listeners next month, which will be... Oh, I forgot to mention shit. Um, <laughs> ne- next month is going to be episode 50. And so I'm probably going to get drunk. Just, you know, fair warning. And also, I was thinking about doing, like, an Ask Me Anything kind of situation. So if you've got any questions that you want to ask me and my co-host, which will be Duncan from Podcast in a Half Shell. So if there's anything you wanted to, like, burning questions you wanted to ask me within reason, <laughs> uh, I will I will try to answer them in a drunken manner. Bye! I can see that you I waited for my time to come, but I am lost inside a flying beach that locks from the inside out. My alive, you try to read my mind. Everybody knows that it's a job. Everybody knows how much it
inside this calcified lie you need to lose is unspeakable denial is mine is crime is our versatile everybody knows that it's a job 